we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core, this Tuesday edition on American Family Radio. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Glad to be with you across the country, the U.S. of A. Glad to be with you. I'm proud to be an American. I'm proud to be an American. And I actually, I, uh, I got a little peek into the Olympics yesterday when I was getting my hair cut. Um, I tried out a franchise called Sports Clips for the first time. Not endorsing sports clips, but tried it out for the first time. And, you know, sports clips, they were playing the Olympics, you know. And uh, pretty interesting, all the kind of uh, uh, summer sports going on there in Tokyo, Japan. Pretty interesting. America's winning some uh, some some gold medals in a couple sports I've seen. Uh, so that was pretty cool to get to see. But overall, ratings are down. 33-year low. When it comes to uh, television viewing of the Olympics, a 33-year low, I don't know if I can put my finger on why that is, um, but I'm sure there'll be some kind of studies that come out in the next few weeks that really reveal why people just weren't watching the Olympics. Uh, Could it be because politics has just taken over every aspect of American life and people are just fed up with it? Uh, they're, they're just people who just want to watch some good old sports, uh, don't want to have politics shoved in their face when they tune in. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Our verse of the week here on AFA at the Core, we focus on Scripture each week. And this week, I actually pulled in two verses out of Psalm 1. Uh, Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Those are our two verses for the week out of Psalm 1. You know, I am very excited for something we're working on here, our own video platform. Uh, I am so ready to not rely on your big tech conglomerates, uh, your YouTubes and your Facebook. I'm so ready to have our own platform uh, where we can be uh, uncanceled and we don't have to um, have the fear of, of having our, our pages taken down and where we can't get our message out there. So we are actually building our own video platform. It'll be ready here in a couple months. I've been uh, previewing it, taking a look at it with our team here, and it's coming along very well. Uh, so I'm excited about that. You know, one one feature of the show that just uh, organically came about last week is something called Flashback Tuesday. Uh, Bobby came to my office after the show, and he said, uh, you know, Denise, uh, Bobby's wife, she, she really liked that Flashback Tuesday. So uh, we're going to continue with that, and uh, we're going to continue with that theme. And this this week, this Tuesday, I brought in this story from 2008, and uh, it's from Barack Obama. When he was running for president, he sat down with Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church, and they were discussing various issues of the day, and uh, when asked about marriage, well, Barack Obama said it is the union of 
One man and one woman. <laughs> that's what Barack Obama said. Uh, Bobby, can you believe that that's true? Or do you think I'm reading out of the Babylon Bee? Nope. Actually, the article was written by Carrie Buttoff Brown in August of 2008. And, uh, yeah, the quote is, is the union between a man and a woman when he was asked to define marriage. So There you go. Believe it or not, that's, uh, that's the scenario. All right. That's out of Politico, what Bobby was just reading there. Uh, Barack Obama, running for president, said a marriage is between a man and a woman. And uh, I quite uh, agree with him, even though he's changed his tune on that. I agree with his 08 position that marriage is between one man and one woman, and we'll continue to uphold that here at American Family Association. Why? Uh, because we believe in God's Word. We believe in Scripture. We believe that marriage is, is, is definitively between a man and a woman, and that bond is, is set to be for life. It's a covenant between one man one man and one woman. So we stand by that. We're not ashamed of that. And we will never back down from that because that's what God's word says. Not what we say, what God's word says. That's what's best for society. You know, the hypocrisy out of Washington, D.C. just seems to always impress me and not in a good way. The uh, Dem- the uh, Democrats and uh, even the uh, as McCarthy Kevin McCarthy is calling them now the Pelosi Republicans <laughs> uh, Kissinger and Cheney who are on this uh, January 6 hoax commission uh, to uh, to study what happened on January 6 which is going to be another another witch hunt another hoax uh, headed up by your very own uh, Democrats in Washington D.C. Uh, I was just made aware that none of them are wearing masks. None of them are wearing masks, and I'm watching them on Newsmax, and they're all up there chatting it up, uh, throwing their particles out all over the room, and they're not even wearing masks. And they even they even did some hugs during a break. So uh, that's probably going to turn into a super spreader event, uh, tongue fully pressed against my cheek, uh, my cynical side there coming out. Uh, no, but on a serious note, Washington, D.C. is just another one of those Democrat-run cities that are just struggling with violent crime. They're struggling with violent crime. And along with many other uh, uh, Democrat-run cities, because the the cops have been demoralized and the prosecutors are a bunch of political hacks who don't uphold the rule of law and put the thugs and the criminals in jail. So we have dangerous Democrat-run cities. Well, uh, the D.C. police chief, and remember, this is a D.C. is a hardcore blue city. You're talking about 90% plus of the citizens in D.C. are Democrats. They're all Democrats. And uh, this D.C. police chief is outraged. He is frustrated, and I get it. He's frustrated because his cops are trying to do the right thing and keep their city safe in Washington, D.C., but the politicians and the prosecutors and the courts, they're just not helping him out. Uh, Let's listen to clip one. This is a two-part series. Let's listen to clip one. This is the D.C. police chief. I think it's important that we all stand out here collectively, that we're all here together uh, for a number of different reasons. Excuse me, let me take these off the lenses transition. But what happened out here last night? Now, I was out here last night. Some of you live here. Some of you may have just been out here uh, having dinner or whatever, but that was unacceptable. It's unacceptable in any community. The reality is we have situations that happen like this in our city, all across our city, and it's been happening for a long time. Last year, we had over 922 people shot in our city. Last year. 
198 people murdered in our city last year. This should be shocking to the conscience of every person in our city. I don't care where you live. It's got the attention that it's got now because it's happened where it happened, because we had an incident at the National Stadium. But this issue, this issue that's crossing our city, there are too many guns in our city, in Washington, D.C. Last night, before that shooting happened, the officers, our officers assigned here in the 3rd District, they recovered a firearm off an individual down here at 11th and S, Vermont. Right before that, a firearm right up here, 14th and Irving Street, after the sounds of gunshots, right up there. When this shooting happened, officers, within five seconds of the shooting where it happened, well, that's, that's the first clip we're going to play here, and that was the D.C. Police Chief Robert J. Conte III talking about how that he is fed up with the crime, the violent crime in his city, and that even uh, last year, or 2019, they had over 900 shootings in the city, Washington, D.C., but he goes on to talk about how there's guns everywhere. <laughs> there's guns everywhere, and that's, that's, there's two ways you can look at that. Um, some people view it as guns are the problem. Um, but, but the irony here is that Washington, D.C. has the strictest gun laws and regulations on the book in the country. The NRA had to go to court, to the Supreme Court, just to make it to where you could apply for a permit in Washington, D.C. D.C. wanted to completely outlaw, and they did for a period of time, completely outlaw the carrying of firearms by any citizen. And then the, the NRA and others went to court and actually got an exemption there. Uh, but to, to carry a legal firearm as a citizen in Washington, D.C. is very, very difficult. You have to go to, through a stringent process to get a license there. You have to prove that your life is in danger, so on and so forth. So basically, guns are very, very hard to legally carry in Washington, D.C., and the, the police chief there says that there's still a problem. There's still a problem, which this proves the point, which many of us have said for years, uh, that simply outlawing guns doesn't fix the violent crime problem. It doesn't fix it. As a matter of fact, I would argue it makes it worse because the criminals, they're always going to have guns because they're criminals. It's the good guys that aren't going to have the guns. And when you see, you look at the studies, uh, Places where people, where criminals know that citizens are packing, that citizens are trained and have firearms, they don't mess around. The criminals stay away from areas where a law-abiding citizens have firearms in their possession and they know how to use them. Uh, criminals stay away from that. It's the, the cities where that ban the guns. Uh, that's where the criminals run free. Speaking of... Uh, of crime and money and Democrats, there's this... Um, FOIA request that was put out by Forbes to these all these Democrat-run cities. And as I've mentioned, uh, the top uh, most dangerous cities in America are all Democrat-run cities with the exception of maybe one, be Jacksonville, Florida, which has had Republican leadership in the past, but the other 24 of the 25 are uh, Democrat-run cities. This Forbes uh, FOIA request, Freedom of, of Information request, put in uh, to major cities like Chicago, San Francisco, uh, New York City, San Diego, Denver, Colorado. What this was was aimed at uncovering is how much how, mu how much of tax dollars is being used to protect these uh, Democrat mayors. How much uh, uh, 
tax dollars are being used to hire private security to protect the city officials. Well, it's a pretty staggering amount. It's a pretty staggering amount. Chicago, let's just look at Chicago. This is over a five-year span, 2015 to 2020. The city of Chicago spent $17.3 million in that five-year period to guard, quote, unnamed city officials, one of those being the mayor, Lori Lightfoot. Well, while she's spending uh, $17 million over the course of five years for protection, armed guards around her, uh, the city cut 400 police officers just in 2020. They cut 400 officer positions in 2020. Uh, sh- let's go San Francisco, for example. And during the five-year period from 2015 to 2020, San Francisco spent $12.4 million guarding the mayor there, London Breed. During the same time, the city said it would divest $120 million from its police department budget. San Diego is another city run by the Democrats. Uh, That city allocated in uh, 2020, allocated um, $2.6 million for 12 full-time officers to protect the mayor and the city council during their meetings. Well, that same uh, mayor, she reduced her police department's budget by $4.3 million. Denver, Colorado... They uh, spent $4.2 million over the last six years to protect the mayor. So all these big Democrat-run cities, they don't hesitate to spend money protecting themselves. But they don't want to spend money protecting you. The hypocrisy and the shame knows no end for these Democrats. You know... That's shameful. One of the basic functions of government is to protect citizens, is to ensure that the good people of America can can go to the grocery store, they can go to school, they can go to work, they can take their garbage out without getting shot, without getting mugged, without getting killed. That is one of the most rudimentary basic functions of government is to protect innocent life. And in blue states and blue cities, they are failing miserably, and it's sad for the people of those cities. AFA at the core will be back in a few minutes. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. With this statement, Jesus affirmed what he'd already said in Genesis 1 and 2 and defined marriage for all time. Contrary to the protestations of the nouveau critical theorists, the nuclear family consisting of a married father and mother is not a Western sociological prescription or construct. Marriage did not originate in the West. Its origin isn't suburban America. It started in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden. Marriage is God's idea. Therefore, he alone defines it. If you don't like it, your problem is with God, not me. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Dr. Richard Land, President Emeritus of Southern Evangelical Seminary and host of Bringing Every Thought Captive. Richard John Newhouse, famously of his book, The Naked Public Square, said that culture is at the root of politics and religion is at the root of culture. I think he's right. I like my way of saying it better. And that is politics is downstream from culture and culture is downstream from religion or alternatively, whatever your ultimate values are, whatever your ultimate values are, are your religion. Now, we've seen this happen in terms of politics in America. Up until the 1960s, for most of America's history, whether you were voted Republican or Democrat, depending on what section of the country you lived in or what your economic status was. Now, economic status is a very bad indicator of whether you vote Republican or Democrat. In fact, except at the very bottom or at the very top, it's a very poor indicator. Instead, whether you go to church, if you go to church more than once a week, you vote two to one Republican. If you never or seldom go to church, you vote three to one Democrat. That's just one example of the truth of the fact that politics is an expression of culture, and culture is an expression of your religion or your ultimate values. And make no mistake about it, progressives have a religion. It's not usually related to a deity, but they have one. We need to understand this if we're going to understand the extreme hyperdivision going on in our country today. We're talking past one another. We're using terms differently. And we need to try to get to common definitions. And we need to quit talking past each other and discuss things with each other, understanding the real differences. And let's also understand when it comes to culture wars that the conservatives have been on the defensive. They didn't start the culture wars. All of their activity in politics has been defending what was the status quo in culture up until the 1960s. And having been attacked, having seen their culture eroding, they have come to the defense. And that's where we are today. More about this tomorrow. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. You know, last segment, I ended the segment talking about, oh, how the Democrats are responsible for some of the most dangerous cities in America. Well, the first clip I played was from the D.C. police chief, and uh, the first one I played was a little less climatic, but this second one uh, really gets to the root of what, how I want to close this discussion, uh, and that is about how how violent crime needs to be handled, how crime in general needs to be handled, and that is according to the rule of law, uh, no, no playing games, no blaming people other than the people who commit the crimes. Um, so let's play clip two. This is the last clip from the D.C. police chief about how we cannot coddle violent criminals. Let's listen. I'm saying to you, enough is enough. I've been a police officer in this city for over 30 years. I've been born and raised right here in this city. Started my patrol career right here in this district. And the way that we're going and the things that we're trying to do, we want to help people. Yes, we should. But you cannot coddle violent criminals. You cannot. You cannot treat violent criminals who are out here making communities unsafe for you, for your loved ones, for me, for my loved ones. They might not want a job. They might not. They might not need services. What they may require is to be off of our streets because they're making it unsafe for us. And if that's what it requires, then that's what it requires. And we have to own that. We have to own it because if not, we see more of this. Well, there you go. We cannot, quote, we cannot coddle 
violent criminals. So that message needs to be sent to all cities in the U.S. that we are not to coddle violent criminals. They need to be locked up, and they need to be locked up according to the rule of law to keep our innocent citizens safe in our communities. Each Tuesday and Thursday, I welcome in studio my brother, Wesley Wildman, Vice President of Outreach and host of Share Truth, Apply Scripture. Wesley, glad to have you in again today. Hey, I'm glad to be on, and I'm looking forward to having this conversation. The other day, I was out and about here in town eating lunch and came across a a friend of mine that owns a local business, and he said, man, he said, there's days, man, I'm just about, I can't take any more of the 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 pushiness of the LGBT community and he said y'all covered a lot on y'all's radio he said I just about wanted to turn it off one day um he's a supporter and listener of ours he said but you know what he said God spoke to me in that moment and said praise God that there's a ministry out there that's covering what's going on in our country from a biblical Christian perspective and so I understand as we get into this topic here here we go again. Yeah. But uh, we're going to try to do so, and then we're going to conclude this segment with some good news, and we're going to not only uh, uh, end it with some good news, but there's a resource that we have that we'll share with you in. So stay tuned because we've got a great resource for you as we cover this topic. So what's the headline for us today? Yeah, well, I, I, I didn't even tell you we were going to talk about this. Yeah, go But, uh, you know, I'm going to throw a little kink in our show here. And, Only four uh, episodes in with me, and you're already throwing curveballs. Yeah, this yeah, is- this <laughs> – Come on, Bobby. This is this is blowing away. This is this is a good curveball. Okay. Um. This this needs to be discussed. So after Bobby and I met this morning for our show prep, you and I had already had a meeting. Um, For those watching, y'all can see I got my show prep here. Yeah, he spent all the time prepping for the show. Whatever Walker's about to do, I did my part. Yeah, here here goes Walker again. (laughs) No, I came across this story in the Christian Post about a an Ohio megachurch. Yeah. Uh, The name of the church is Crossroads Church around the Cincinnati area. They have several locations. Uh, but they had a speaker by the name of David Mahan mm-hmm. um, uh, talking about the issue of human sexuality okay. and transgenderism. And uh, he, uh, Mahan, uh, David Mahan, talked about um, something that we talk about in, our, in his image documentary about w- w- how we should not affirm someone's gender dysphoria. Right. Instead, we should point them in the right direction. Mm-hmm. And the direction of what their biology uh, says, but I, the reason I bring this up, Wes, and this this will get into our topic here. Uh, the church there, Crossroads Church, they issued this apology for having this speaker in that was that was, from all accounts, from what I'm reading, he was simply speaking the truth uh, about what's going on in our society yep. when it comes to the issue of transgenderism. He's just reporting the consequences and the hard reality of what's we've, what we've gotten Exactly. Into. And the church crossroads, they apologize for having him in to speak. Um, and so it's frustrating that churches try to address this. Then the bullies come yep, and then happens. they backtrack and apologize on God, uh, apologize about what God's word says. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've seen this over and over again, Ever since the Obergefell case uh, or court case was decided, ever since that, uh, there has been a fast track to include within the homosexual community, therefore transgenderism too. And that's a little bit we're going to talk about today. I don't know if y'all remember, but before the Obergefell, there was a long history of strife and competition and of war 
against the homosexuals and the LGBT, or sorry, the homosexuals and the transgender community for many reasons. One primarily is because transgenderism teaches that you can change. Mm. And homosexuality says the the activists there that support it would say that you're it's immune, you're born that way, you can't change. So there's a huge conflict. Well, now that you got a burger fail, they've partnered together and they've pushed this as fast as it can go. And uh, one of the one of the issues that we'll talk about here today, and I've talked about in a recent article that I'll point you to here in a little bit, and that's that we're seeing now uh, women not just or not just men wanting to become women, but now men wanting to become women and now be a part of society in the in the area of sports. Mm. And we've seen this uh, in multiple places. Now we've seen it in the Olympics. Uh, I covered it in a story called Biblical Masculinity in the most recent Engage magazine where I reminded our audience about Selena Soul, who was a female high school track star in the state of Connecticut. She was uh, one of many, many girls in her state in which lost countless opportunities to compete in world-class competition in front of colleges in front of and lost her opportunity to win state titles and ultimately lost scholarship opportunities because she was beaten by two men who raised their hand and identified as um as a female so we've seen the destruction here and it's just it's it's insanity uh and it's immoral and it's just wrong and so um, it's just something that we have to address and we have to be careful of and we need to be mindful of. And we have a wonderful resource for that yeah. um, because there's two, there's two components here, Walker. And this is, they've been ran together so much that I wanted to make sure to distinguish this is there's a difference between an individual who is deceived, who is led astray, who has been manipulated by the world into the belief something that's contrary to the way God designed them. And then there's the agenda and the activist side of things. And so sometimes people want to run them to together and it makes it very complicated for us as we want to do as we want to minister. So we took the time here at AFA and American Family Studios to separate the two for the purpose of ministry opportunity, but also to take a stand for what's right, uh, for what God calls us right and by the way he designed it. So yeah. what's the resource we've got? Yeah, the resource and our resource of the week here for the show is In His Image. Not just In His Image, but we got a five-pack. Uh, we got a five-DVD pack of In His Image, which means you can hand it to family or friends or church members. Uh, this is our latest documentary. I talked about it on Monday. Yeah. talked about it yesterday, but this is an excellent documentary, and it addresses this issue with compassion and truth, yeah. and those two things can go together. And that's my frustration with this Crossroads Church in uh, in Cincinnati is this uh, this fellow that they brought in to speak and address this issue from a biblical perspective, David Mahan, um, what he was saying was truth. And, and, and this church has been pressured. They had protest outside the next day. They've been pressured to apologize for bringing him in to speak. Um, but churches, see, here's the thing. Um, People, the world doesn't want the truth out there. Satan does not want the truth out there because the truth is, is that God can redeem everyone. Yes, God, God, God has Absolutely. the full power to redeem people who are caught up in darkness. He's done it to each one of us here, and He can do it to you. And so that's our message to the world: is that if you have if you have gender dysphoria, if you struggle with same sex attraction, you don't have to always be that way. God yeah. can redeem your life. Yeah. That's our message. Yeah, and there's countless testimonies within the documentary toward the end of those that were trapped in that lifestyle that were delivered by God's grace 
through biblical counseling and through the love and care and the patience and understanding of those uh, in the Christian community. You know, there's an article on One News Now that's the title is this. It says, Science Ignore the Dysphoric Reality. And then you say, well, what's dysphoric reality? Well, they go on to say there's a couple of doctors that come together, and there's some studies that were on the Breitbart News that concluded that a social conservative healthcare professional says that the facts do not agree with the activists, that is the LGBT activists, who argue that transgendered individuals who do not receive total affirmation of their gender identity are at greater risk of suicide. And um, that's one thing, though. Let me pause there for a second, Walker. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about this as I was preparing. You know the one thing that's that's in common, that, that's common ground for the Christian community and the LGBT community? Do you know what the one thing is? We both agree on the stats that they are going through a tremendous amount of suffering and that they're going through a tremendous amount of um, of um, what what is it when emotional you, trauma. emotional trauma yeah. um uh, depression yeah. thoughts of suicide we can all agree that's taking place it's the, the solution it's the solution the problem is they won't they won't they they use the, the word affirmation um is differently than we do hmm. um we don't affirm the person's um choosing of what they choose but we do affirm that they're made in god's image and we yeah. do believe that so the solution's different um we, we as christians we understand that we're pulled away from um uh by we're by sinners by nature and by choice and we believe that god can save us and the alternative to them is they want full affirmation but the problem is they don't tell you what that affirmation looks like yeah because there's no end to it well and also another part that just that just gives us more passion for this topic is that is that the, the the target group now is young people yeah and it's people who are minors i mean that's this debate going on now and folks when you hear the term conversion therapy uh the left and the god haters out there they want to make this sound like it's some kind of you know uh a institution where you get you know electrocuted and waterboarded if you're not yeah uh, converting conversion therapy it's they make it sound it's counseling so, it's counseling <laughs> it they is. make exactly. it sound so That's dangerous it. bobby but yeah. conversion therapy is simply being able to talk with someone about how if they're stuck in a lifestyle that they don't like they don't always have to be that way much like you would uh, look to for other and various and sundry different uh, mental health disorders. Yeah, and there's, there's other... There's no difference. You're yeah. exactly right. And Except that one's against the law. Exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and states, and the reason I bring this up is states are attempting, if they haven't already, to outlaw conversion therapy. Yeah, sure. Which is a dangerous, dangerous path, which means Christians who try to intervene mm-hmm. and counsel someone through their issues and try to turn their life back to Christ or mm-hmm. to Christ... Uh, that's basically being outlawed. It's mm-hmm. it's a very have, dangerous. We path. have so. other Christian versions of conser- of uh, conversion therapy within those that struggle with um, pornography, those that struggle with alcoholism, those that struggle with multiple personalities. Whatever that is, we have there's counseling services for those, both Christian and non-Christian alike. And for uh, us to think that there's one particular category that we would like to eliminate there. Is as foolish and, and 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 hurtful for those that would pursue that or find uh, help in that. And I don't understand what bother, what what's bizarre. It's, the problem with this topic is, as you begin to look at it, the hypocrisy and the double standard is from from top to bottom. Yeah. Because what difference would it make for somebody else 
that supports the LGBT movement if somebody else wanted to come out of it. Right. So why why would you go and, out of your way to shut down my body, my choice? Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, that should be the motto yeah. to be consistent. Yeah. You know, but I think this gets into a spiritual battle where the world doesn't want people's testimonies out there. That's it. That's exactly. Right. That's why they're taking down videos uh, of of test. I covered the the story about the pastor uh, last week. I think from. California that's doing the court case with Vimeo because he shared he's a former homosexual he shared his testimony and other people's testimonies about how they came out of that lifestyle how how Christ saved his saved their life and and Vimeo took it down because yep. we can't have testimonies mm. about God changing people's lives on the internet yeah we you mentioned this last week and and I'll mention it again what we're seeing unfold before our eyes and it's spreading around us as we stand and that's Romans 1 chapter 1, 18 through 26. But what I want to remind our audience of is that regardless of Romans 1, you know, 18 through 26 there that spreads around us, regardless of that taking place, we cannot forget verse 16 that's right before it, the beginning of all this, and that's that we are unashamed of the gospel because it's the, it's the power of God unto salvation for people. Yes, so, amen. Amen. Yeah, that, that's that's it. We've got to be unashamed. Transformation is possible through yeah. through Jesus Christ, no matter what your struggle is. Um, this, this, you need to order, folks. This is our In His Image documentary. You've been hearing about this for several months now. It goes back to our release back in October of 2020. Um, but this, this is a transformative message, not because we produced it or anything else, but because the power of Christ is behind this message. And the entire documentary and, and series here is based on what God's Word says about human sexuality and how we're all created in His image. So if you want to order this In His Image five pack, just go to resources.afa.net and order it. Hey, let me say one more thing before we go to the break here. Is that's that we have a magazine. A lot of people that was listening may have already gotten that. So if they've already gotten that, we also have a magazine that's very similar that complements the same topics. It's produced by Engage Magazine. The most recent copy is called Designed to Reflect the Designer. And it talks about these types of issues. And a lot of the dis- things that I discuss here today is in that magazine. I've written an article in there on that. What's, so. what's the website for Engage? Go to EngageMagazine.net. There's a tab that says Magazine. We made it easy. <laughs> You're going to love that. You just click Magazine, and it's free. Keep it simple, man. So. I like it. Keep it simple. EngageMagazine.net. Click on the Magazine tab, and you can get a subscription there to the Engage Magazine, a product of American Family Association. Thanks, Wesley. Hey, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me on. All right, AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more news of the day. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. Thank you for standing with AFA as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies were very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. 
In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman with the American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, we're having a retreat this fall. In fact, October 3rd through the 6th, we're going to be gathering at the Purcell Farms, just about 45 minutes southeast of Birmingham, Alabama. It's in the mountains, and we're going to have a wonderful time, and we'd love for you to join us. Our speakers will be Sandy Rios, Abe Hamilton, Ray Pritchard, Bert Harper. I'm going to be there along with a lot of the AFA and AFR team. So it's going to be a wonderful time of refreshment and fellowship. And we're just going to have a lot of fun. There's so many great things to do there on the campus of the Purcell Farm. So if you'd like to join us for this very special retreat, just go to afaretreat.net. afaretreat.net. We've only got a few rooms left, in fact. afaretreat.net. And we hope to see you there this fall. feel so hopeless. hopeless. Is there any hope? I, I just feel like there's no hope at all. Is there any hope? Get hope. Get hope. I was watching one of the national TV morning shows this week when the host began to talk about sending his daughter to college for the first time. That's TWR president Lauren Libby. Now let me share a story I heard from Kansas State University. More than 1,000 students responded to a survey about their spiritual interest. 65% were interested in discussing deeper issues about who Jesus is. Now regularly I hear from well-meaning people that they see a future with negative implications. Frankly, I see hope for the future because of the generation now on the college campuses. Hope is a spiritual issue. Spiritual interest coupled with a relationship with Jesus spells future hope. Need more hope? We have resources waiting for you, including a free devotional. You'll find them at GetHopeRadio.com. That's GetHopeRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the last segment of AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. You know, the... Um, the Democrats in Texas, they fled uh, the state of Texas, the state lawmakers there. They fled Texas to block a voter integrity bill in the state of Texas that the uh, state legislature is there, there is attempting to pass. Well, uh, in order to pass and conduct business, the state legislature has to be able, has to have a quorum. They have to have a quorum of members present. Well, that's why the Democrats fled the state. Uh, and they're still in. They're still camping out in Washington D.C. Well, uh, they ironically took COVID with them to Washington D.C. Quite literally, uh, they took the coronavirus with them to Washington D.C. At first, there was three of the Democrats that fell ill, and now more have. Well, this raises a question about the White House and how many people in the White House now have COVID because the Texas Democrats came to. Uh, do a victory lap at the White House because they uh, they left Texas. Well, this is clip three. You know, this is Jen Psaki. We're going to call her. I heard somebody this morning call her Circle Back Psaki. Uh, maybe that was Abe last night. Uh, but this is clip three. Uh, Jen Psaki talking about how, well, she doesn't owe everyone an explanation about how many people have COVID in the White House. Let's listen. 
This administration has long claimed that you're trying to be the most transparent history. If that's the case, why won't you just release the number of breakthrough cases that you've had of vaccinated staffers? Well, I think first we're in a very different place than we were six to seven months ago as it relates to the virus. Uh, and as many medical experts have said, inside and outside of the government, uh, those who are vaccinated are protected from serious illness. Most are asymptomatic if they are individuals who are vaccinated who get the virus. Uh, and, uh, you know, we are in a different place uh, in terms of the impact of individuals who may have, as you said, breakthrough cases. But why not just provide the number? Are you trying to hide something? No, but what is the, why do you need to have that information? Transparency, the interest of the public, having a better understanding of how breakthrough cases work here in the White House. Well, we deserve an answer because we pay your salary. Signed, the American people. Amen. Goodness gracious alive. You know, that is... Utter hypocrisy. If if Kaylee McEnany in the Trump White House, I don't know, 10 months ago would have said, why is that any of your business? Why do you need to know that? They would have been roundly rebuked. Fox, even Fox News would have been blasting them about how there's a cover-up and there's a super spreader at the White House and, and the Trump administration is covering up. Well, Jen Psaki, she can just uh, not reveal the number of White House staffers that have covid and everything's all right. Everything's quite all right. Nothing to hide here, folks. Nothing to see here. Well, the reason she probably doesn't want to reveal the number of White House staffers with COVID is because, number one, she would be admitting that the Texas Democrats brought COVID to the White House. And number two, the White House staffers that have it are probably vaccinated. That's just my theory here. And we'll find out. I'm sure someone will leak it out of the White House about the vaccinated White House staffers that have fallen ill with COVID. Uh, so Jen Psaki not being so transparent there. There was this, uh, this uh, clip I played last week of uh, some of the Democrats, well-known Democrats, uh, pushing what I call and what many call vaccine hesitancy, meaning bringing up concerns and issues and statements uh, that really cause people to have hesitancy towards getting the vaccine. Well, someone, uh, Steve Scalise, the congressman from Louisiana, actually put this in a montage, which is absolutely beautiful. I'm going to play clip five here. This is uh, Cuomo. Uh, this is also Biden and Harris all talking about how, well, the vaccine may not be the best thing. Clip five. So the first question is the vaccine safe? Uh, frankly, I'm not going to trust the federal government's opinion. Who's going to take the shot? Who's going to take the shot? You can be the first one to say, put me, sign me up. They now say it's okay. Would you get it? Well, I think that's going to be an issue for all of us. Um, I will say that I would not trust Donald Trump. If Donald Trump tells us I should that we should take it, I'm not taking it. I don't trust the president, and I don't trust the FDA. If, if and when the vaccine comes, and it's not likely to go through all the tests that needs to be and the trials that are needed to be done. The American people uh, don't trust the process. I don't trust the process. Well, there you have it, folks. What do you say? <laughs> what do you say to that? What do you say to that? Uh, Harris is questioned. Oh, before she was VP, before the vaccine was politicized. Or actually, this is a. A, a way of politicizing the vaccine because it, it wasn't their vaccine, right? It was a Trump vaccine. Um, and then Cuomo goes on to talk about how he doesn't trust the FDA. 
Uh, the FDA, you know, I would bet that 90, 98 to 99% of the staffers at the, at the FDA are the same staffers that were there under the Trump administration. These are all bureaucratic agencies. These people are lifelong employees. The only thing that changes is who's in leadership at these agencies. So the agency, the FDA that Cuomo criticized under Trump saying, I don't trust the FDA, that's the same FDA now. That's the same agency now. The vast majority of the staffers there are the same staffers that were there under Trump. And so Cuomo, Harris, and Biden, they need to recant and they need to publicly apologize for pushing vaccine hesitancy. And you wonder why people aren't getting the vaccine. Maybe it's because of what the Democrats said. Oh, just not that long ago. Not that long ago, uh, the Democrats were pushing vaccine hesitancy. As I mentioned earlier on the show, the Olympics are going on now in uh, Tokyo, Japan. And uh, I came across this, uh, this article, this clip here of an ESPN uh, worker or sports writer, and he was on a CNBC panel uh, or an MSNBC panel. Uh, I'm sorry. He was on CBS, CBS talking about what he thought about the Olympics. Of course, he's an ESPN staff writer, so he's been in sports most of his career. And somehow, uh, this, uh, this fellow by the name of William Roden he got off on a rant about how the American flag being displayed in Tokyo, Japan, oh, just made, made him feel so, so very uncomfortable. Uh, let's listen to him. This is clip six. My favorite part of the Olympics was always going to the stadium for the opening ceremonies. I love, I love the opening ceremonies, March of Cotton. Then I just realized, you know, man, particularly after these last four years, I had it wrong. Nationalism is not good. We've seen the rise of white nationalism. Nationalism is not good. And also this whole idea, I, I keep thinking back on the uh, Capitol riots, mm-hmm. and I saw a lot of, um, you know, U.S. flags. Right. So now when I see the flag and the flag raises, what, 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 what America am I living in? You know, are the ones that don't think, you know, we should be here, the ones that think that uh, we should shut things down, the ones that... Th- so, th- so I just think that this is a very... These Olympics... Uh, it should be a time of, of soul searching and, and winning sometimes antithetic to soul searching. <laughs> how noble. Antithetic. How, how, yeah, the flag is antithetical to, uh, to America. You know, this is, this is the same America-hating crowd that is now running our country. And one quote I want to, a couple of words I want to pull from this. We had Dr. Ray Rooney on about nationalism, about the role of nations in Scripture, about how nations are a creation of God himself, and nations are not inherently a bad thing. They're not a bad thing, and that means nationalism, loving your country, putting your nation before other nations, is also not unbiblical. It's not a bad thing. Of course, we should not idolize our nation and place it before God, but simply loving your country is not a bad thing. Nationalism is taught in many countries around the world. Well, here, the clip we just played, William Roden, he conflates 
nationalism with white nationalism, as if those two are exactly the same. He says, nationalism is not good. We've seen the rise of white nationalism. Nationalism is not good. Whoa, 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 whoa. That is word salad. That is conflating two things that are not the same. They are distinctly different. Nationalism, and I'll repeat this again, nationalism is a good thing. Nationalism is an acceptable thing. I, anyone in America, I would hope we have a lot of nationalists in America, people who love their country. They want to protect and preserve our country. Why? Because our country stands for good things. Our founding fathers started this country for noble reasons. Mainly look in the Bill of Rights and the founding documents, Declaration of Independence. We are an exceptional nation, and being a nationalist is not a bad thing. But here we have William Roden with ESPN, ESPN writer, on CBS saying uh, that nationalism is not good. We've seen the rise of white nationalism. Nationalism is not good. And he goes on to talk about looking at the U.S. flag at the Olympics and how it makes him basically ashamed of his country. And he, he, he asked the question, you know, what country are we living in? Well, we're living in the country that abolished slavery. We're living in the country uh, that gave women the right to vote. We're living in the country that has a First Amendment that protects all viewpoints, even his viewpoint that I disagree with. He is an American, and he has the right uh, to speak freely under the First Amendment. So that's the America we live in. Uh, that's the America I know, and I believe nationalism is a good thing, uh, contrary to what William Roden with ESPN says. He says nationalism is not good, and he conflates it uh, with white nationalism, which is completely unfair, but that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. They want to conflate things and jumble it all up and throw everybody into one pot and one group, and then we're all guilty, right? We're all guilty. Uh, because we're all a part of the old bad conservative uh, group, the uh, group that loves our country and loves our guns. And remember uh, Barack Obama in Pennsylvania uh, talking about <laughs> this is back during the 2008, I believe, the campaign. He talked about he was he was talking about people in Pennsylvania, in central Pennsylvania, about how they uh, they love their guns and their Bibles. <laughs> well. He, that was a derogatory statement that he made towards those people, and that just shows where they are. That just shows where they are as, as a party, as a people. Um, if you love your country, if you love your Bible, and if you love your Second Amendment, well, all of a sudden, that's a bad thing, and you shouldn't do that. Over in California, man, you got some, some, some freedom-loving Americans fighting back in California. You have a recall effort going on. Uh, a recall election going to take place, I believe, in September uh, there in California. So that's a good thing. The governor of California is having to face a recall election, which is a massive embarrassment. It's a massive embarrassment to get enough people in your state to to lift off a recall election is an embarrassment uh, of, of, of the job or the lack thereof that Gavin Newsom is doing. Well, this San Diego-based group, uh, which has over 13,000 members, uh, they filed a lawsuit. I'm reading from Breitbart here. This story is from uh, late last week. Uh, this group filed a lawsuit in San Diego Superior Court 
uh, with the Reopen California Schools group. And what they're doing is they're trying to uh, fight back against Governor Gavin Newsom forcing children to wear masks in schools all day long. Here's the quote from the uh, Let Them Breathe founder, Sharon McAmon. She said, We're seeing kids more anxious, more depressed, having difficulty engaging in their education when they're unable to see each other's faces, share smiles, and just start getting back to life with some type of normalcy. She goes on to say, The bottom line is that the government should not be doing parents' jobs. We're the parents. We know what's best for our children. And uh, it goes on to talk about how Governor Gavin Newsom's mandate that's still current, still active, requires students and educators to wear masks at all times in K-12 through schools, regardless of vaccination status. Uh, so this uh, group there in San Diego with ha- has about 13,000 members. They are suing the governor, trying to get his mask mandate uplifted or relieved. And, and the, you know, the, the thing about and, and many people don't talk about this, but one of the one of the basic issues with these uh, edicts from governors is, in my opinion, uh, many of them are unlawful. And here's why. Executive orders, emergency orders are by nature, historically, legally intended to be used for short periods of time during an emergency like a hurricane, a wildfire, a tornado outbreak. Executive orders were not intended to be used for months and years on end. And so if if Governor Gavin Newsom wants a mask mandate, well, the state legislature needs to convene and pass a law that gives further guidance on the issue, even though I completely disagree with it. But that's what you have here. Edicts coming from King Newsom. Well, the good thing is we have people fighting back in California and across the country. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We will see you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.